Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Spencer Locker. What are you laughing at? <laughs> you know. What are you laughing at you already? Know. <laughs> <My> you know. <laughs> so, Spence, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're back in the in the Hubcast room, and um, today's topic is, oh, God, it's so relevant right now. I think it is the topic that everybody's been talking around about for the last year through 2020 with COVID-19. Uh, and it's resilience and adaptability. Yeah, but not just any resilience and adaptability. Our resilience and adaptability. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we always look at what's happening out there. We always listen to our customers. We always uh, try to get the feel, the temperature of organizations and societies and communities. And um, I think most of our work in the last year in the one-to-ones and the questions we get asked is around managing this this situation, around managing frustrations, emotions, staying resilient, staying on task, looking to the future, remaining positive, all that stuff, which really, really is resilience. Yeah, and I think it's important to understand. And one of the reasons I think why why we actually came up with a format that we we've done with for this particular um, sort of approach to resilience is because. One of the things that we've found with, with our uh, our clients, with our uh, the people that we work with, is it seems overwhelming. It's very much overwhelming, particularly when we've got this global pandemic. And and yeah, I know it's relevant to that for the to the global pandemic, but it's also relevant before and after. So when we start looking at feeling overwhelmed and, and, and things, sometimes we've got to look at our logical and rational part of our brain, and we've just got to identify what it is that is challenging our resilience, don't we? We do. We do. Resilience is not just reserved for this situation, like you say. It's part of human nature. Um, we are resilient animals. We're built for resilience. And this Certainly is the first, species. The first point I guess we want to make is we are resilient beasts. I mean, we've come this many years through evolution and survived many, many pandemics and viruses and threats to you know human extin- extinction through being resilient. Um, and I was on a one-to-one yesterday with a with a really uh, a good customer of mine who's also become quite quite a good friend as well and um and we was talking about this because she's going through a really difficult time at the minute for numerous reasons and um i was saying it's not our it's not our ability to find happiness and fulfillment that defines us it's our ability to endure suffering when we are when we have an ability to endure suffering from from minor stress and anxiety to the odd pressurized situation to life changing events we are one hell of a resilient beast. And that's what it's about. We need to define ourselves by our ability to endure the complexities of life, the suffering, the stresses. You know, you're a massive fan of stoicism or not a massive fan, but you've, you've <laughs> that's made you out to be some type of you know, stoic leader. But, you know, you, you, you like reading about it. You like reading what makes people stoic. What is stoicism? What is that ability to endure in, in, in life? And I think... <clears throat> Resilience, if we if we understand it, Spence, and we dissect it through the six facets that we generally believe will test resilience, 
then people can start to maybe think about how they can endure those situations a little bit better. Certainly. Uh, I think one of the things that we do talk about is balance. Uh, and I think that it, when we go through this rich tapestry of life, this journey that we go on uh, from birth to death, the bit in the middle is the interesting bit. Um, but as we go through that, we've got to realise that there's got to be balance. We can't be happy and contented all the time. Uh, we've got to we've got to endure, as you said. We've got to go through this this uh, these pit, these bits that aren't great. Because you know what? When we get through those, the bits that are great are just that bit shiny. I think it was Hildegard Landstrom that once said, "Life without pain has no meaning." Exactly. And you know what? You you um, uh, you mentioned something really interesting there, which is worth touching upon before we start, which is. The middle bit, you said, you know, we start out on life and we end our life, but it's the middle bit, that's the challenge. It's absolutely true. If you think about it, the most resilient people on the planet are children or the elderly. And what I mean by that is when, you, when you're when you a child, you have you have very little general anxieties of, of life because you're carefree and you're brave and you're bold and you're taking on the world and you don't really know the risks and dangers of the world just yet, Right. And um, when you're elderly, it's like you've come full circle and you don't give a shit anymore, right? <laughs> Honestly, I was speaking to somebody yesterday. It's like you don't care what people think about you. You're not you're not uh, in the rat race, jostling for position and climbing the career, you know, your, your ladder and your career. Um, you know, your views on things, you couldn't care less who wins the elections, you know. You know, you sort of become just really content in the fact that you don't give a shit. Yeah. So it, it's really important to understand. And so what makes this middle part of our life the one that tests our resilience the most? Well, if you think about that part of your life, you start to form your career or your career path and your direction. You're under pressure to produce, to pay your bills and to, you know, to, to earn money. You then have a family and you carry the burden of survival on behalf of your children and you've got to see them through for the next 18 to 20 years, Right. It's a never-ending cycle of responsibility, accountability, and pressure. Yeah. So you start out completely resilient. You get to a point where you finish completely resilient. But what we're talking around is these six facets are really important for that middle section of your life, aren't they? Without probably most people listening to this, because we know by the data that the elderly and the young don't listen to our podcasts. <laughs> no, they don't. It's generally 20, uh, from 20 years to 50. Right. Once you get over 50, you don't care about listening to the crap we, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that we churn out. It's like, I'm past that now, right? But 20 to 50, everybody's interested in these sort of topics. So let's see if we can lift a lid on a few things, Spence, uh, around these six facets of resilience and see if people can maybe pinpoint what it is that they're struggling with yeah, and what they could maybe make a change on. And that itself is quite an interesting point because as much as we've got six facets of resilience, uh, different because we're all different and different things challenges. Not all six of the, or not well, not all of these are going to be in your wheelhouse. But you can't. Uh, you might think to yourself, well, that particular thing I can deal with quite easily, but something else might challenge you. So what? What challenge? And we all know, don't we? That there's you might be sat there with somebody you know, and they can be having a meltdown, and you're sort of thinking, oh, that's a bit awkward because mm. if that were me, I could deal with that quite easily. But by the same measure, there'll be times when you're having a meltdown, and they're sort of sat there thinking. You know what I could deal with that. So it's different things for different people. It is. Pick your winners from it and yeah. uh, and see what you can take away from it. Now, mm. one little thing before we start, Spence. If you can hear some uh, drilling or, or or some type of noise in the background, uh, we've got a construction site outside at the minute, and uh, there's a little bit of noise. You might not be able to hear it, but we're going to plow through it anyway. It's not going to challenge our resilience. We're going to be resilient yeah. and plow through it. So, <laughs> right. Six facets of resilience, Spence. We're talking uh, to lots of organizations and people about these at the minute. Let's start with the first one. In order to be resilient and to 
be adaptable in life, you have to be able to deal with change. Yeah. So change is the first facet. We generally don't deal with change very well as a homo sapien species because of the fact that we're, our innate number one function, function is survival. And generally, change, change signals a threat to us. If we're unsure about what this change means, whether we're moving house, whether we're changing jobs, whether you know something dramatically changes in our life or in our career, it makes us feel uneasy and uncertain, which then tests our resilience. Certainly. And um, again, it's, it's, it's that understanding. It's that not knowing, isn't it? It's that that's something different. We do talk about communicating change effectively, and, and if only it was that simple. Uh, but it's understanding change and appreciating change. Again, we've talked about this. When somebody turns around and says, we're going to go through some change, well, that's the middle bit, isn't it? That's the journey. But you can, you've got to have a start point and, finish, and an end point, where you're starting from now, where you want to be. So if you don't have all three, three, all three bits of information, then you're going to be unsure. And, and everything we talk around in terms of brain function and the way we are as an animal um, – we are at our best generally through evolution and, and understanding science. We are at our best when we can guarantee things and when we're in control of what we are doing and the outcomes. Hmm. Because when we're in control of things in our life and when we can guarantee outcomes, there's no uncertainty, there's no risk. Our chimp brain subsides, we feel very comfortable and confident in what we do, and we become quite a resilient creature. The problem right now is we live in a world that you can't guarantee almost anything. And the cha the level of change from a daily, weekly, monthly basis, certainly through the pandemic and through recessions and through Brexit and through all the stuff politically that we've gone through over the recent years, you can't guarantee it. Change has been thrust upon us every single week and month. And that can really lead to test our resilience because you feel out of control. You can't guarantee anything. Certainly now, if you think about COVID-19, you can't guarantee when you're going to come out of lockdown. You can't guarantee um, where we're going to be in 12 months, when you can next go on holiday, right? When you can next see your, your, your parents and your grandparents. You can't guarantee those things, so it's really testing people's resilience. Certainly. And for those of you who like to plan, remember, it's only two more lockdowns till Christmas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we're, and we're in January. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it, change is going to test the spends. Now... Yes. Those people who understand that. So what's the answer to this is the guess. How can we how can we be more resilient with change? Well, I guess we've got to embrace it, number one. It's inevitable. We said on one of the last podcasts, change is like Thanos. <laughs> it from you know, it's yeah. inevitable, right? Yeah. Um, we've got to start reacting better to it by understanding that it's it's a constant in our life. It always will be. And if we allow it to knock us off, you know, off our uh, you know, our road, of di our direction or of our train of thought or whatever it might be, then we're going to suffer. Mm. We're going to suffer and not be very resilient. So we've got to expect it, number one. We've got yeah. to start to embrace the fact that you can't control the majority of things in life and therefore change is inevitable. And you've got to basically focus on what you can control. And that's all you can do. It's like yeah. our ABC technique. Acknowledge the change is happening. Breathe through it, which is the B. Take a moment to breathe. See, what do I control in the here and now that can help me navigate this change or make it easier? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So mm. first facet is change. And it's always going to get us as humans. But the most resilient people we come across, the, 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 most, uh, the people who 
you know, stay on course, stay committed to the task at hand are the ones who can understand change. They accept it and they navigate it well. It's like I always say, you can't control the wind and the tide, but you can learn to sail. Those people who put the sail up and, and navigate the situation tend to be more resilient than those who just become defeatist because I can't, this is all happening around me. The world's against me. The economy's down. I can't achieve this because of X. Now we've done Brexit. My life's a mess and they become a victim. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so change is really important, right? Facet number two, Spence. Yeah. More of a, so change is more of a general environmental thing. Yeah. This is more of a personal thing, right? The second thing that challenges our resilience is fatigue and yeah. tiredness. Definitely. We are a tired species at the minute, right? Yeah. Physical, <clears throat> mental, and emotional. Yes. Which which are all slightly different. Yeah. I mean, emotional and mental probably link hand in hand, but certainly the difference between emotional and physical, uh, sorry, emotional, mental fatigue and physical is definitely different. However, they all have that effect on us, which says you just need to stop. You're tired. You can't do this. Yeah, and and this is the thing: is how many how many times do we get to a position where where you you need to rest, but you, you know what? My outputs. I need I need to do this. I need to. Do, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Sometimes we deprioritize rest uh, and recuperation in favor of expectations and outcomes, without actually realizing that you know what? If I do have a bit of a rest, if I just you know what, take a check step, then what I do create what that when I do do things afterwards they're going to be of a higher quality I'm going to be able to reach my expectations reach my outcomes better yeah but no actually before I go to bed I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and it's never as good as it could be yeah you know <clears throat> guarding against chronic fatigue and extreme fatigue is really important and that mm. and that absolutely includes rest um sleep is massive on this as well um we're not going to go too much into the depths of sleep, but sleep is huge on this. If you sleep well, generally you get your fatigue under control. Yeah. Not everybody sleeps well, right? <clears throat> In fact, data shows a lot of people don't sleep very well. So managing your fatigue through rest is really important. Know, knowing when to listen to your body is really important, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I think one of the, th one of the things that I think um, you said uh, not so long, uh, a couple of, Web, uh, a couple of uh, podcasts back. Uh, if I look after me, me looks after everything else. And we, sometimes we skip that, don't we? Because we try and look after everything else and you forget about yourself. And, you know, the basics of just resetting for a couple of weeks by getting an early night, staying off the booze, eating a little bit healthier, exercising every day. You know, just doing the small basic things for a couple of weeks to reset and give yourself a bit of energy is not a bad idea, right? Um but yeah, fatigue can really test our resilience because when we're tired, if we, we did a podcast once, Spence, on the three pre-stages of stress, it was tiredness and fatigue, number one. I think it was hunger and dehydration. It was social isolation. So it's one of the big three pre-states of stress, which then by, the, by its sheer nature makes you not very resilient when you're highly stressed. So making sure that you understand and recognize when you're fatigued. And this is the thing. Not everybody recognizes when they're fatigued. They're, we all have this, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, 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 I'm fine. And we and we have this stiff upper lip and we want to yeah. carry on regardless. And we don't recognize the signs that says you need to slow down. Yeah. You need to rest, take some time. 
you know, or look after yourself a little bit more. Mm. And it's stigmatized. <clears throat> is it it's stigmatized in, in 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 the modern world? How many times have I have my as my wife turned around to me and said, "Were you sleeping then?" And I, I wasn't sleeping. I was resting my eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing is, you don't want to admit to it. Sometimes, I mean, where it's not necessarily an age thing, but it is sometimes does become an age thing where you know what you need that little bit of a combat kip in an afternoon. Absolutely. So be aware that as much as as uh, number one was change and our ability to uh, not handle change very well due to the fact fact that it we can't be in control of everything and we can't guarantee the outcome and therefore it puts us in that survival mode. The second thing that tests resilience is fatigue. People's ability to operate under fatigue. Where where needed is really important, but also an individual's ability to recognise where enough's enough, and we need to we need to have some rest and recuperation and recharge the batteries is really really important as well. Mm. It'll just help you be more resilient. Because I defy any human being on the planet, anybody who you know, any SAS soldier, anybody who's been through extreme fatigue and operated through it. I defy any human being. It's the laws of nature to keep going and keep going and not crumble at some point. Yeah. You know, it's going to test you beyond belief. So we everybody has different levels of tolerance with fatigue. However, we all need to recognize our own bodies and recognize what when we cross the line for us, that means we need to make some changes. Yeah. Number three, uh, let's move it on to this. What the third facet that is really going to test our resilience as human being is conflict. Now, conflict has been around since the birth of mankind. We, we have been in conflict with each other from, you know, Neanderthals and Homo sapiens back in the days, foragers, right through to farmers fighting over land in the agricultural revolution, through to countries being at warfare over political situations. Uh, fast forward to today when we still have lots of conflict in the world, right? Conflicts between human beings and people uh, is, an, is, a, is a weekly and everyday occurrence, whether it's families falling out, friends falling out, uh, businesses falling out. Uh, society's falling out, whatever it might be. And it's not always about falling out. It's about having a difference of opinion. It's about having a different set of values, different standpoints. We live in a world now where those views and opinions and values can be uh, digested and read on any internet forum, on any social media site. We can disagree with people on a on a on every minute of the day. <laughs> uh, and, and we're generally seeing this polarization that we always talk about, Spence, as a result mm. of that. But however... The point we're making here is conflict is part of mankind. It, it, it's it's part of our DNA, right? It's never going to go away. And to an extent, there's an argument to say, nor should it, mm. right? So you got to get used to managing it. you got to get used to navigating it. If you're one of these people who you don't mind conflict, in fact, you'll jump straight into conflict, both barrels, but it's slightly counterproductive, then that's not good. If you're one of these people who hate conflict and shy away from it, and it's your worst nightmare, you're not going to be very resilient in life. So I think the key to what we're saying here is understand that conflict is one of the six facets that will test your resilience. And you can't always meet it head, head on and, and, and stamp it out. And you can't always shy away from it. You've got to learn to navigate it to deal with it effectively, to diffuse it. Mm. Do you think that's the right word? I think, yeah. Just try diffusing. and diffuse it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when you when we start talking about differences of opinions and, and polarisation, we've seen that a, a lot, particularly on social media. If you don't agree with me, then you're against me. Uh, and and you, you can see how, uh, I mean, let's face facts here. Social media is not the best place and the, the best medium to express an opinion. Um, because people, I mean, 
you know what it's like reading an email, you take it the wrong way, you interpret it in a certain way, um, then yeah, it's not the best medium. But it's it's the understanding that difference is, as you said, natural. It's diversity, it's true diversity. And true diversity is not nicely right or wrong or good or bad. It's just different. Yeah. And when we can understand that it's just different, when somebody says something and you automatically take the opposing view, it might it might strike at your heart, it might strike at everything you stand for. But understanding that they're not having a dig at you, it's just their opinion. You've got your opinion, they've got their opinion. It's just different. Healthy debate and discussion in life, in 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 your workplace and your personal is absolutely productive and, and and as long as both parties are viewing it as a healthy and productive discussion yeah and not a, a, a progressive conflict or disagreement or discord right so it's really really gray areas comment because it's entirely down to somebody's perception and what my perception of a of a healthy debate might be might be your perception of a, of a conflict in Disagreement, Certainly, right? yeah. So <clears throat> it's down to interpretation, which makes it such a, a grey area and such a challenge at times. Um, my message is this: you can't, you can't correctly interpret everybody's meaning and intention behind a comment or a viewpoint. And if you're trying to do that, you're fighting a losing battle because you're putting two and two together and coming up with fifty-six. Yeah. Right. My view is. Whether you're in a healthy debate or discussion or whether you're generally in a conflict in disagreement, you have to understand that this is part of life and you have to build a bit of armor up around the fact that it probably ain't personal. You're probably saying things that is stoking a response in the other person as much as they are. We both view the world in a slightly different way, clearly, and that is fine. Nobody's right or wrong. We just see the world differently. Yeah. When you can start building up a, a, some armor around that, you will become less emotive around what things mean and the response and because almost always it turns in from a debate into you've got it in for me or you're trying to make me look bad in front of people do you know what i mean yeah so putting some armor up and developing some armor around conflict is really important otherwise you're not going to be very resilient if you're a person who gets offended at everything you know we talk about this this woke culture we have this cancel culture in modern day society we're becoming more offended by things at everything because we don't deal very well with opinions and, and, and views and thoughts. And I think you've got to be, you've got to start developing your armor around this. Otherwise you're going to be offended by everything and you're not going to be very resilient. No, I love the thing that Dave says, listen to understand rather than listen to reply. So when somebody's actually proposing their, their idea or their opinion, try and understand it rather than sitting there just forming your own reply listen to understand why they feel that way absolutely and that's where you get your discussion from rather than conflict absolutely let's push on to number four yeah. the fourth facet of resilience all that's going to test your resilience and adaptability is pressure now we're sort of covering this in in a lot of them but we'll we'll, we'll cover this one quickly and move on to the last two pressure being when you are feeling the heat because you are accountable for a decision or for an outcome or for an activity. That is what we mean by pressure. When you have the ultimate accountability and responsibility in that moment to do something or to deliver something, a decision on behalf of your family, a decision at work, you know, whatever it might be, that is where pressure comes from. That is that cortisol re re release, your emotional state rises, the, the pressure's on. 
but it will subside only when I deliver the outcome I'm required to do. Some people thrive under pressure and are able to deliver the outcomes with relative ease. Some people, when the pressure is on, tend to get a little bit, uh, have a wobble, and that then really does affect your resilience. Sometimes it's not when the pressure's on. Sometimes when they have self-induced pressure. Yeah. Um, so there's no real pressure. It's a perceived pressure. It's pressure you put on yourself rather than what pressure the pressure that other people put you under. So sometimes it's getting in your own way, really. Yeah, absolutely. And this fundamentally comes down to pushing yourself in the ugly zone. We talk about it all the time. You know, you've got to push yourself just outside your comfort zone, or I call it the ugly zone. And, you know, it's so you can, you know, in the state of arousal, in the state of flow, so you can feel slightly under pressure time and time again, because the more times you push yourself into that situation through the power of repetition, you become more resilient to it, and therefore you don't buckle to the pressure in the future. It's like public speaking, going up at heights, uh, whatever it is that you feel under pressure when you're doing the more you avoid it, the, more, the greater the pressure is going to be when you do it. The more you put yourself into the fear, into the situation through the power of repetition, the more you're going to master it. Can I just uh, can I talk about comfort zone or should I leave that till the end? Well, in the essence of time on this podcast, yeah. I think we we could we'll come back to it at the end if we've right, got time. Okay. Is that all right? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's move it on very quickly to the next one, which is the fifth one, which is rapport. What we mean by this is, if you're going to be resilient, Spence, and the people who we see having resilience, they navigate some of these things like conflict and pressure, etc. When they recognize the importance of still maintaining rapport or building rapport under duress or in conflict. Certainly. Have you ever met those people where you can't be ever angry at them? Mm. Because even when you get to that point, they have a really, really natural way of calming you down and mm. still it's like i can't help but like you so i can't be angry at you yeah, yeah these people are the ones who can maintain rapport in conflict or under duress certainly um but we've also got to bear in mind that rapport is not necessarily external it can be internal what is your internal dialogue remember we talk, we, still, we talk about challenge versus threat state and we talk about inducing a challenge state in other people what about yourself how do you talk to yourself? Are you one of these people who does something wrong and then basically follow yourself around the house for half an hour calling yourself a whatever, yeah? You can't, you can't criticize people like that because they've already criticized themselves beyond any measure that you could possibly do. So think about your internal rapport as well. Yes, it's important to, de it's important to have rapport under pressure with other people, but about, what about self Self-care, self-report, talk to yourself, talk yourself into doing stuff rather than talking yourself out to doing stuff. I always look at managers and leaders in businesses who do this really well. The manager who earns the right to have tough conversations and, and address performance with people or underperformance, but they do so in a way where the person actually leaves feeling quite upbeat, happy, and motivated about the discussion because they have an uncanny knack of maintaining rapport during a conflict or a difficult discussion. You know, and it, and I can think of two or three people I've encountered in my life who absolutely nailed that. And I didn't realize at the time what they were doing, but they could have almost said anything to me and had a transparent conversation about anything I was doing wrong. And I would have taken it on the chin because they, they understood that they needed to keep the level of rapport with me under duress or under that conflict in uh, in that conflict in situation. And they probably talk to you in challenge state language rather than threat state language. Exactly right. Yeah. Right, the final one, and then we'll loop back round, Spence, for final thoughts, yeah. is is we started with change and our ability to manage change. We're going to finish with evolution. So the number one thing that really makes you resilient, in my opinion, 
that takes care of all the other five or eradicates them is when we are a person who continuously evolves based on our situation. And what we mean by that is if all you do is manage change and keep your head in change and, you know, sail in the face of adversity, then you're going to be tired at some point because it's going to get tiring. Whereas if you're a person who can say, this stresses me out and this pressurizes me. However, if I make these changes or if I adapt completely, then that com- it'll never happen to me again. That's the ultimate resilience, right? Certainly. Uh, and we're talking about that as an individual and an organizational level. So if you think if you're a leader of an organization, and you're thinking about um, if, if the, uh, the the scenery of your business or your speciality is changing, and you're always changing and playing catch-up, that's not only going to be fatiguing and challenging for you, but it's going to be for your people and for your organization. So what you need to do is you need to get ahead, ahead of the game. You need to evolve. And that's where, you, rather than playing catch-up with other people, you're actually setting the pace. So when you evolve, you're not playing catch-up. You're ahead of the game already. So it's less fatiguing. You're not expecting your people to change and deal with constant change all the time. Yeah, it's those people who simply go, this isn't working for me. It affects me and it's happening time and time again. How can I stop it? What do I need to do to eradicate this situation from my life? And whether that's distancing yourself from negative people, breaking relationships, whether that's breaking habits, whether that's investing in something that's going to take the problem away, whatever it might be, it's like saying, I need to evolve to become more resilient, to stop the thing that's harming me from happening time and time again. And that's what resilient people do. They make the change necessary to stop the suffering from happening. Now, what we're going to do, Spence, because we've got a couple of things to finish on here, is we're going to take a couple of seconds break, and then we're going to jump back on, and we're going to finish with a little bit more about this, and I want to come back to um, the comfort zone thing that you was talking about. Cool. All right. right. Yeah. See you in a second. Bye. So we're back after a short comfort break. Uh, Spence, we were talking there about the six facets of resilience. Let me just recap them, and then I'm going to ask you for your thoughts. You mentioned there about we touched upon your comfort zone in pressure under pressure. So we're, I want to finish with that and then, yeah. and then wrap it up. But the six facets of resilience and what we observe in resilient people and what we've got to be mindful of that can hinder or harm our resilience is this. Number one, change. We don't deal very well with change as human beings as a, as a general rule. We explain why, but those people who accept it, acknowledge that it's part of life and, and learn to sail around it uh, tend to do well and become more resilient. Number two, fatigue. Fatigue, duress, you know, tiredness. We're an animal. We suffer from it. We fundamentally have energy levels. We have a physiology as much as a psychology, and therefore we get tired, right? Um, it's the one of the things that's going to test your resilience more than ever. We become very irritable and very non-productive when we are tired and ratty and fatigued. So learning when to understand when you cross the line, when your body's telling you no, when you need to rest and recuperate is really important. Conflict. Um, conflict is part of human nature, right? It's been with us for millions of years. It will always exist. And if you're not very comfortable in it or you get really, really harmed by it or affected by it, you're not going to be very resilient in this life. You have got to understand that conflict is a part of human nature. It plays out in many different ways, but you have got to find that middle ground and try and diffuse conflict rather than run away from it or meet it head on. Pressure. 
Now, we're going to come finish on this, Spence, but we talked very briefly about pressure. And when we are accountable for something as human beings in our personal or professional life, when we have to make decisions, when we have to drive the outcome, when the pressure is on, it can tend to test our resilience. And some people deal with that better than others. Rapport, interesting one. We talked about those people who are really resilient don't react to a lot of these situations. They understand that maintaining rapport with other people under duress and in conflict is really important. They have an uncanny knack of doing that. Maintaining rapport maintains collaboration, which means you're not alone, which means you're going to have more resilience. And finally, evolution. If, if we have to manage change to be resilient, then the ultimate weapon against uh, anything that's going to test your resilience is the ability to evolve, to recognize something, a pattern of events that's happening time and time again, and make some changes to eradicate that problem from your life. That's going to then help you in turn become more resilient. Yeah, certainly. But let me come back, Spence, to the pressure conversation we had. We talked very quickly about pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. I call yeah. it the ugly zone. Yeah. Putting yourself into the fear of something that tests your resilience time and time again which then creates autopilots in the brain. That means the the stress subsides when you do encounter that situation, which by the nature of it makes you more resilient. Yeah. We talk about it's Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000-hour rule. You know, Matthew Saeed talks about repetition in black box thinking. Mm. Um, and chick bounce. me high, chick send me high in the flow state. Yeah, so there's plenty of philosophies and theories out there and, and science that shows that repetition. And when you put yourself into a situation that, puts the fear of God into you or test your resilience time and time again. By the nature of it, you become more resilient. Yeah. You wanted to visit something on that in terms yes, of comfort zone. I did. I did. So um, one of the things that we found out over the, well, I found out particularly over the past few years um, has been about different people with different unconscious motivators. And some people, um, some people like to be pushed out the comfort zone. Some people don't like to be pushed out the comfort zone. Some people don't want to be pushed too far out the comfort zone. But social media and and these people who um, who would like to be uh, influencers, um, motivational speakers, and all this that and the other suggest that the comfort zone is a binary thing. You're either in it or you're outside it. Now, from my perspective, that doesn't help. That doesn't help at all because people will see that as a – people aren't binary, are they? We, we know people are not binary. So trying to force them into a, a binary position isn't going, to be work, isn't going to work for them. The thing is it's not binary. The comfort zone is not binary. The comfort zone is – well, we all know what the comfort zone is. It's where we, are, we feel safe, we feel secure, uh, we feel prepared. Then we step outside the comfort zone into a place called the fear zone, yeah? So you're pushing yourself. The thing is, some people don't like the fear zone because they don't see past it. Remember, we said and that, binary. And that's, and that's what I was calling the ugly zone, isn't yeah. it? The fear zone. It's yeah. like that. It's like I'm, I've, I've, my emotions have risen. The heat is on. Yeah. I feel slightly uncomfortable. I'm getting that fear sensation that there could be a risk here or, or, or a consequence. Yeah. However, I'm still able to step into it. That's what we're talking about yeah, here, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. So when we start looking at it from a binary perspective, that's the other bit. So you've got your comfort zone and you've got your outside the comfort zone. People will get stressed and their resilience will be challenged because there's nowhere else to go. You're either in your comfort zone or you're outside your comfort zone. And this is where the, this is where the fallacy should end because beyond the fear zone, we've got the learning zone. Yeah, so we've got the comfort zone. And then outside the comfort zone, we've got the fear zone, the ugly zone. But beyond that, if we can push through the fear zone, the ugly zone, we have got 
the learning zone. So this is when we start actually, the fear starts subsiding. We're still, there's certain anxiety, a certain amount of anxiety, but we're actually learning new things. Yeah, and, and this explains for anybody listening why if ever you've pushed yourself to do something you dread, like a public speaking gig, you know, like a 5K run, like getting on a plane for the first time, whatever it is, right, that you dread, um, you you go through this journey, you go, right, I feel comfortable, and then the the, the fear and anxiety starts building as you as you get towards the, the, the event. You then have a complete wobble where you go, no, 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 retract, go back, get out of here, right? For those who stay in it, they end up doing what they've actually committed to doing. It's actually not that bad. They learn a load, and afterwards, they come off the stage if it's a speaking gig, or they get off the plane at the other end, or whatever it might be, and they go, that wasn't so bad. And do you know what? I, I, I feel elated. And that I is- feel elated, and because yeah. you will never, ever <clears throat> get fulfillment. Uh, and reward and that dopamine release in your comfort zone. Mm. You, to get that that real reward response in life, that sense of achievement, you've got to transition through the fear zone into the learning zone. Yeah, commit to something and complete it. So actually, you feel like a million dollars afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then beyond the learning zone, we've got the growth zone. Yeah. So yes, you've done it, but then you continue to do it, and you get that confidence. Yeah, and you think to yourself. What else can I do? Yeah, and it's not—it's like um, being challenged to do something, a job that you're not—you know—you you know, you might not feel very comfortable doing. There's the fear. Then you actually start doing it, and you think, "Well, actually, this isn't so bad." Then in the growth zone, you're actually thinking, "Well, what else can I do?" You've got more confidence. Your self-confidence has grown. Your boss's confidence or your manager's confidence in you and your skill set has improved. You know what? You know they've got this covered. What else can I ask them to do? This is the growth bit. Because you don't stay in the growth bit because you can step backwards into the learning zone. In fact, you might even step back into the fear zone. But as long as you move forward into the learning zone again and the growth zone. Remember, we've got the comfort zone, the fear zone, the learning zone, and the growth zone. It doesn't stop at the fear zone. Which is ultimately a you need resilience to get through the fear zone. Once you're through... And once you actually sit in the arena or whatever it is that you're doing, two things happen very quickly. First of all, you go, this ain't so bad, right? Second of all, you do what you're set out, you set out to do. You get a positive reward response internally and you go, this feels good. So that once those two things have happened and you've gone through that fear zone, like you say, you end up learning, growing, and the rest is history. So it's a really important uh, way to sort of lay that out, isn't it, Spence? Because it what we observe is people who don't have very much resilience never make it past the fear zone. Mm. And this is this is the really powerful thing sort of to end this, I reckon, Spence, is the psychological effect on retracting and not going through the fear zone is as damaging as going through it is rewarding. And what I mean by that is if you step up to the thing that you you fear and you retract, the opposite happens in your brain. You store, instead of an autopilot that I can do this and I can get reward from it, you store a gremlin, as Steve Peters calls it in your brain, that says, remember, we don't do flying. You got away with that one. We don't do it. 
So actually, the fear grows. The gremlin grows in the in your brain because you've retracted and gone, I can't do this. And remember last time you ran away from it. It was that bad you ran away from it. So the more times you retract and don't push yourself through that fear zone, the bigger the gremlin grows, the, the harder it is to get over that situation. And it starts becoming your identity. Mm. I don't do public speaking. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. We hear it all the time. I'm not very good at that. I don't do that. I could never do what you do. The amount of people who say to me, I could never do what you do and stand on a stage in front of thousands of people and talk. And I say, well, if that's what you think, that will be your reality. Yeah. But do you know what? I was like you once who feared the God in public speaking. I remember my first gig in front of 12 people at a small university and I was absolutely bricking it and I nearly (laughs) collapsed in the car afterwards, right? Yeah. But through the power of repetition and and going through that fear zone time and time again, which I still do today, 14 years on, hmm. right? Um, you develop the level of resilience and the skills and the reward. The biggest thing for me is the re- the reason I am willing to go through it time and time again is because I I have experienced the reward. I've experienced that when you get home on a night after a great gig and you will know what I mean. And you're knackered. You call it bootstrapped yeah. or chin strapped. Yeah. When I'm chin strapped and he texts me and he says, oh, I'm chin- great gig today, but I'm chin strapped. I know you're sat on your settee with dopamine flowing through your brain going, yeah. nailed that. Yeah. Nailed it. And I've made a difference. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right there, mate. <laughs> um, and that's the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. And and if you don't have the resilience and build the resilience to push through that fear zone, you're never going to experience mm. it. So. I think that's a great point to end on, Spence. Yeah, and that's yeah. what resilient people do. Certainly. I think that's been a great podcast. And, yeah. and I hope some people can really listen to that and give themselves a push or find the area that's um, hindering them the most. Um, as always, we will probably listen back to that. We'll see where it's gone and we'll come back with more. Yeah. Um, Spencer Locker, thank you very much. Mike Johnson, it's been a pleasure. And we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast. 